unhappy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Everything was in confusion in the Abonsi's house. The wife had discovered that the husband was carrying on an intrigue with a French girl who had been a governess in their family and she had announced to her husband that she couldn't go on living in the same house with him. This position of affairs had now lasted three days. Not only husband and wife themselves, but all the members of their family and household were painfully conscious of it. Every person in the house felt that there was no sense in their living together and that the stray people brought together by chance in any inn had more in common with one another than the members of the family and household of the Oblonskis. The wife didn't leave her own room. Husband had not been at home for three days. Children ran wild all over the house. The English governess quarreled with the housekeeper and wrote to a friend asking her to look out for a new situation. The man cook had walked off the day before just at dinner time, and the kitchen maid and the coachman had given warning. Three days after the quarrel, Prince Stepan Arkadyevich Oblonsky, Stiva, as he was called in the fashionable world, woke up at his usual hour, that is, at eight o'clock in the morning, not in his wife's bedroom, but on the leather-covered sofa in his study. He turned over his stout, well-cared-for person on the springy sofa, and though he would sink into long sleep again, he vigorously embraced the pillow on the other side and buried his face in it, but all at once he jumped up, sat up on the sofa and opened his eyes. Yes, yes, how was it now, he thought, going over his dream. Now how was it? To be sure, Alabin was given a dinner at Darmstadt. No, not Darmstadt, but something American. Yes, but then Darmstadt was in America. Alabin was given dinner on glass tables and a table thing in Mio Tesoro. Not in Mio Tesoro, though, but something there. There were some sort of little decanters on the table, and there were women too, he remembered. Stepan Arkadyevich's eyes twinkled gaily, and he pondered with a smile. Yes, it was nice, very nice. There was a great deal more than was delightful, only there is no putting it into words or even expressing it in one's thoughts awake. And noticing a gleam of light peeping in beside one of the search curtains, he cheerfully dropped his feet over the edge of the sofa and felt about with them for his slippers, present on his last birthday, worked for him by his wife on gold-colored Morocco. And, as he had done every day for the last nine years, he stretched out his hand, without getting up, towards the place where his dressing gown always hung in his bedroom. And thereupon he suddenly remembered that he wasn't sleeping in his wife's room, but in his study, and why. A smile vanished from his face, he knitted his brows. Oh, he muttered, recalling everything that had happened. And again every detail of his quarrel with his wife was present to his imagination, all the hopelessness of his position, and worst of all his own fault. Yes, she won't forgive me, and she cannot forgive me, and the most awful thing about it is that it's all my fault, all my fault though I'm not to blame. That is the point of the whole situation, he reflected. Oh, he kept repeating in despair, as he remembered acutely painful sensations caused him by this quarrel. Most unpleasant of all was the first minute, when, on coming happy and good humors from the theater, with a huge pear in his hand for his wife, he hadn't found his wife in the drawing room, to his surprise had not found her in the study either, and saw her at last in her bedroom with the unlucky letter that revealed everything in her hand. She, his dolly, forever fussy and boring over household details, unlimited in her ideas, as he considered, was sitting perfectly still with the letter in her hand, looking at him with an expression of horror, despair, and indignation. 
What is this? she asked, pointing to the letter. And this recollection, Stepan Arkadyevich, as he saw from the case, wasn't so much annoyed at the fact itself as the way in which he had met his wife's words. There happened to him at that instant what does happen to people when they are unexpectedly caught in something very disgraceful. He didn't succeed in adapting his face to the position in which he was placed towards his wife by the discovery of his fault. Instead of being heard, denying, defending himself, begging forgiveness, instead of remaining indifferent even, anything would have been better than what he did do. His face utterly involuntarily, reflex final action, reflects Stepan Arkadyevich, who was fond of physiology, utterly involuntarily assumed its habitual good humor and therefore idiotic smile. This idiotic smile he couldn't forgive himself. Catching sight of that smile, Dolly shuddered as though in physical pain, broke out with her characteristic heat into a foot of cruel words and rushed out of the room. Since then she had refused to see her husband. It's that idiotic smile that's to blame for it all, thought Stepan Arkadyevich. But what is to be done? What is to be done? He said to himself in despair and found no answer.